Okay, here we are on chapter 15. Um, in chapter 14, Willie met a woman named Lisa, who is the phys ed teacher at the school. And she's teaching her students and Willie to do a thing called working from their center. They have to find their center physically and mentally and plan all of their movements from their center before they do anything. Um, it, it seems to me like she's telling them to be mindful of all of their steps. And it's working, um, it's a relationship that will work for both of them because she's working towards a degree in sports therapy and obviously she's gonna help Willie with his speech and his movement. Chapter 15. Music blares from the tape in Lacey's stereo system as Willie shuffles across the hardwood floor in the dining room. He's moving to the beat from his center the way Lisa's been showing him for the past three weeks and it's beginning to feel more comfortable. Just incorporate what you've got into your act, she said after their first session. And Willie is learning that when the music's too fast, you just cut the beat in half and be cool. During the second session, Lisa showed him miles and miles of films and tapes over at the Alameda County Coliseum, sequences of famous athletes moving slow. One tape was nothing but a series of Jim Brown, a legendary running back for the Cleveland Browns back in the 50s and 60s, getting up from one after another vicious collision with some giant, faceless, defensive lineman or linebacker. See, Lisa said, you can never tell if he's hurt or not. He always gets up and moves back to the huddle like he's taking his last step. It's part of his act. Could be he's lost all the feeling from his neck down, or could be he's just taking his time. Then she showed him similar sequences of O.J. Simpson and Marcus Allen. It's all slow, but look how graceful. You can move like that too, Willie, if you'll quit trying to make your slow side catch up all the time. Do it the other way around. Try it to music. So Willie is trying it to music. He knows if Lacey catches him playing this honky rock and roll shit on his sound system, he'll crap his drawers. But Willie sees so little of Lacey these days, he's not really worried about it. Lacey is usually in bed in the morning when Willie leaves for school. And it's extremely seldom he sees him afterward because Lacey is either on his bus route or on the street. And most of the time when he is home, the time is taken up with these vicious telephone calls from his ex-wife after which Lacey finds at least a dozen different ways to call her a bitch, storming around the kitchen, kicking walls, and slamming his fist against cupboard doors. It seems more than mere anger to Willie, more like agony. He doesn't know what it's all about. Lacey's been real clear, it's none of his business. But he's told himself a million times he does not want to be there the day the two of them come face to face. Several days ago, Willie talked to Andre, Andre is the principal, I guess you could say, at the school, a little about it when they were painting the student lounge. And Andre said if it got too bad, Willie could move into the empty classroom in the basement of the school. Andre had plenty of furniture at home, and the added security of having someone inside the school 24 hours a day wouldn't be all that bad an idea. Willie considered it, but decided against it for now, because even though they spent so little time together, he felt that Lacey was attached to him somehow, that it would be a small betrayal to leave. 
Bob Seeger starts into the even beat of Fire Lake on the sound system, and Willie tries a slow heel-toe, heel-toe across the hardwood floor, looking down at himself and laughing self-consciously when he realizes if he keeps it up another few seconds, his right side will run away from his left side and he'll be doing splits on the floor. Heel-toe will have to wait. It's after 10, and he decides he better get with his homework, moving to the stereo to stop the record, just as Lacey storms through the door. He's talking loud, though not angrily, and Willie knows he's drunk. The swinging door from the kitchen flies open, and Willie yells, Chief, how you doing, my man? Willie starts to answer, then sees Lacey's not alone. He's followed by a young girl, a girl Willie knows from school. She's tall and willowy, really beautiful to Willie, with light brown skin and green eyes. Willie has always seen her as quiet, either arrogant or really shy, and soft. But tonight she looks different, her painted lips and heavy rouge masking the softness, and her plunging neckline immediately sinking Willie's heart's heart. She works for Lacey. This angel, Lacey says, she go to your school. Got her some outstanding grades. Got some outstanding grades from me, too. Willie tries to hide his disappointment. Hi, he says, I'm Willie. I know, she says, I see you sometimes. You know Lacey, huh, Willie says, and Angel's eyes go to the floor. She nods, but before she can speak, Lacey says, we have a working arrangement, an outstanding working arrangement. He looks to the sound system. You playing that honky shit on my machine? Them voices is inferior. Mess up my speakers? Be getting them white boys off there. Willie starts toward the system again. But the record is finished. The arm moving to its rest. He shrugs. Over, he says. Then, well, listen, got to go get some sleep. His speech is getting better. Lots better, thanks to Lisa. She's getting him to work on that the same way he does his body, see things first or hear them in the case of his speech, then go about them at a speed that works. He's not embarrassed to talk now. You guys have a good time. Somewhere late in the night, Willie hears a scream in the house and in a flash sits up in his makeshift bed. Chills run up his back and he waits. Sure, he heard it, but tempted by the possibility it was a dream. He hears it again, followed by Lacey's voice, mean. Willie throws back the blankets, moves quickly across the living room floor toward the stairs, scraping his shin on the coffee table, lost in the dark. He hears the scream again and a loud bump as if someone has been thrown down. He flips on the light and grabs his cane, starting up the stairs, calling Lacey's name. At the bedroom door, he stops, hoping that it's over, so that he can just go down to bed. But there's more scuffling, and Angel screams again. The sound of Lacey's open hand on her soft flesh sickens Willie, and he hits the floor, the door, with his cane. Hey, Lacey, what's going on in there? No answer, just more yelling. Lacey, come on, you guys, what's going on? Get away, Lacey yells from inside. This none of your damn business. Come on, Willie yells back. Someone's going to get hurt. Be you, you don't get back from that door. Another scream and the sound of scurrying. The door opens and Willie sees Angel's face briefly 
as Lacey pulls her back into the room and punches her in the jaw with his closed fist. Stop it, Willie screams at him, but Lacey is cocking his arm for another shot. He pulls Angel's head up by the hair with his other hand and aims a fist for her nose. Without thinking, Willie swings the cane, intercepting Lacey's swing at the wrist, and now Lacey screams, dropping to his knees and clutching his arm. Willie comes back with the cane as hard as he can, and the brass baseball catches Lacey in the back of the neck, whipping his head back hard, then driving his face into the floor. Angel is stunned. She's uncovered from the waist up, kneeling by the bed, staring at Willie. Oh, God, she says, why did you do that? When Lacey wakes up, he'll kill you. Willie is trembling. He acted out of instinct, and now fear washes over him. Lacey will kill him if he wakes up. He stands over Willie, over Lacey, swearing that if he moves, he'll club him again. He can't think, looks back to Angel. Cover yourself up, he says, and she reaches to pull the bed sheet over herself. Go downstairs and call emergency. We'll get him to a doctor. That'll give him time to cool off. Angel is still stunned. Her nose is bleeding and the side of her face is starting to swell, but she moves around the bed, pulls on her blouse and picks up the phone. Lacey hasn't regained consciousness when the ambulance arrives and they put him on a stretcher. Angel stays out of sight because she fears the police will show once the paramedics see the nature of the injuries and she wants no part of that. Willie tells them Lacey got real drunk and pitched down the stairs and though they seem skeptical, they hurry him off. Willie says he'll follow in Lacey's car, but he has no intention of doing so. He's going to pack his stuff. The medics assure him Lacey will stay the night at the hospital, even if he regains consciousness. That gives Willie until tomorrow to pack and be gone. He absently takes the name and number of the hospital. Might as well stay, he says to Angel, as soon as the ambulance has carried Lacey off. He won't be coming back here tonight. Angel shakes her head. Willie, you're in trouble. We're both in trouble. When Lacey gets back, he'll kill us both. You shouldn't have done that. Willie doesn't get it. She should be grateful. Lacey was beating the hell out of her. He can only stare. Christ, he says, I've been beat before. I get over it. But he's going to be killing mad. Willie nods. There's a lot he'll never understand. He's known about Lacey's mean streak all along, but he's steered clear of it never seen it so frighteningly close. He doesn't know how to handle it. If he stays in the hospital, Willie says, I'll go talk to him. Make sure he knows it wasn't your fault. Angel just laughs. You don't get it, do you? Lacey's a pimp. He doesn't care whose fault it was. He just gets even. A pimp has to be mean or he won't make a living. Fear creeps in. Willie knows Angel is right, but he's tired of being scared and he's tired of doing what he thinks is right, only to have it turn out wrong. Well, he won't be back tonight, so you might as well get some sleep. Willie lies under the blankets on the couch, trying to get some sleep, but his mind races. Angel is upstairs, supposedly asleep, and he hates it that he can't feel like a hero. 
Even if she does work for Lacey, he's still very much drawn to her, emotionally, sexually drawn. He should be able to feel like a hero with her, but the rules are different here. All she can think of is how nasty Lacey's going to be. Tomorrow, he'll move into the basement room at the school. To hell with Lacey. His mind glides over conversations with Angel, future conversations, convincing her to quit working for him. Maybe Andre can help. Early in the morning, Willie packs his stuff into his duffel bag, makes up his bed, throwing his sheets into the hamper in the laundry room. He leaves the duffel bag next to the door, stuffs his books into his backpack, and walks through the overcast morning to the bus stop. Earlier, he knocked on the bedroom door to check on Angel, but she had gone. He plans to ride up to school and cover his morning janitorial work, then ask Andre to let him skip morning classes to go check on Lacey. Dealing with him in the hospital will be a lot easier than facing him at home. Andre just shakes his head when Willie tells him the story. You can set up the room downstairs after school. I'll get a bed in there tonight and we can move the furniture this weekend. I figured sooner or later your living situation would blow. Actually, it lasted longer than I expected. Willie asks if Andre had known about Angel. Yeah, Andre says, she's the reason I even know Lacey. Enrolled her two years ago. Said she was his daughter. He shakes his head. I've seen enough shit go down since then to know that young lady is not Lacey Castile's daughter. Why didn't you stop her? Ain't my job, Andre mimics one of Lacey's favorite sayings. Then, those aren't the choices I get to make for kids here. I can only offer an education and what advice is asked for. After you've turned around a while, you'll figure out that getting out of prostitution isn't just a question of deciding to stop one day. There's a lot more to it than that. Willie parks Andre's 69 VW bug in the hospital parking lot, lifts his cane from the back seat and walks easily around toward the front entrance, moving slowly from his center. The change in his movement has been just short of miraculous for him and the good feeling it gives him is a reminder enough to keep him focused. It's seldom now that his body gets away from him. As he nears the information desk, his heart pumps almost out of control, and he fights for some kind of inner calm, acquiring Lacey's room number from the nurse, then moving down the hall toward the elevator, silently rehearsing what he'll say. His mental words are drowned out by the drumbeat of his heart, in front of room 306, he takes a deep breath and steps through the open door. Lacey lies sleeping, his right arm in a cast to the elbow, his neck in a brace. Willie can't believe he did that. He stands over Lacey for a moment, then places a hand on his muscular upper arm. Lacey's eyes pop open. He focuses on Willie's face, struggling to place him, then squints his eyes and gives a grimace. How you doing, Willie asks, for lack of a better start. Be okay. Can't say, this, can't say the same for you, though. Not when I get out of here. Come on, man. I thought you were going to kill her. She my whore. I, I know that, but I, I thought you were going to kill her. She my whore, Lacey says again. Willie doesn't pursue it. Look, he says. I'm sorry I had to hit you. If 
you get even, you get even. I'll be gone when you get out of here. I'm going to stay at the school. I really appreciate all you've done. I don't know how I would have made it if you hadn't taken me in, but I can't be around what happened last night. I just can't. If there's a way I can make it up, let me know. Lacey doesn't respond. Willie's surprised he doesn't make more threats, but he just stares. Willie thinks it must be whatever drugs they have him on. By the way, he says, your ex-wife or whoever she is called, she sounded pretty pissed, says she'll call later. He pauses a moment before saying, she called you a killer. A fire lights behind Lacey's eyes momentarily, is extinguished by welling tears. Willie sees a beaten look he's never seen before in Lacey. He doesn't understand. He says, look, I gotta go. Lacey nods, but as Willie reaches the door, he says, don't move out yet, okay? What? I won't kick your ass. We talk. Just don't move out yet. Yeah, okay, sure. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Lacey sounds irritated. He doesn't like to ask for things. This is turning out differently than Willie expected. He sees no threat, so he just nods and leaves. School is out, and Willie leans against the restroom wall, pulling on his basketball shoes. He's finished with his janitorial duties, and Lisa is supposed to come back to work with him. He's wishing he could contact Angel, tell her he thinks everything's all right. She wasn't at school today. He didn't expect her to be, but he hopes she hasn't disappeared or something. Andre gives him a phone number from the files, but no one answers. He walks out toward the lawn as Lisa pulls her car close against the fence. When she steps out, he sees the carrying he sees she's carrying leg and ankle weights, a basketball under her arm. Need to get an idea what it feels like to be you, she says, strapping the weights on herself. It feels shitty to be me. I mean, I need to know what your body feels like. You might need more weights, Willie laughs. Feels more like a hundred pounds than five. I have more if I need them. A group of neighborhood kids stop their half-court game as Willie and Lisa start down the other end. Everyone knows Lisa, and Willie feels embarrassment creeping up as it always does when he tries something in front of people. He fights it back, and the kids resume their game. Willie and Lisa shoot around a while. At one point, she stops and carefully watches him dribble and shoot layups, then runs back to her car and adds five pounds onto her leg. She works with his shot, gets him to picture how he used to do it, then adjust that to what he can do now. It's frustrating, but after a half hour or so, Willie starts to feel something familiar and he works harder. After another 15 minutes, they play a slow version of one-on-one. -on -one. Lisa stops occasionally to help him make an adjustment and occasionally to visualize an adjustment of her own because the weights, because of the weights. So the game is interrupted. But when they're finished, Willie's worked up a sweat and it's the first time since the accident he's done anything positive with his body. Think you could beat Telephone Man today, she teases. Willie smiles. Nope, he can sky. 
In his head, he can sky. She shakes her head and smiles. Telephone man, whew. Willie stops, philosophical for a moment. I just wish I knew why. Why what? Why me? You mean why you got hurt? Why you crippled yourself? Willie grimaces and nods. Lisa always words things like that. Why you crippled yourself instead of why you got crippled, which he prefers. She sits in the doorway of her car, pulling off her shoes. What would be different if you knew why, Willie? You'd still be crippled. I know, but if there's a reason, a purpose, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to tell you why. Willie waits expectantly. You crippled yourself because you stretched the rules till they broke. Simple as that. Willie knows her line of thinking. It's a little like Cyril's, only further out. But if there's God, I mean, I, I didn't do anything so bad. To have him cripple you? Yeah. God didn't cripple you, Willie. You did. You stretched the rules till they broke. Had to go a little faster than you could. Push out there at the edge because you thought nothing could hurt you. You said that yourself. But... I didn't know. The rules don't slack off for naivete, Lisa says. Physics don't work on a sliding scale. You broke the rules. You got hurt. She nods a big nod. So now that you know, why? How does that help? Willie shakes his head. It doesn't. Might as well quit asking then. In Lisa's car, headed for the hospital, Willie tells her about Lacey. Don't know why you stay with him, Willie. Man's a pimp, and that means he's dangerous. I've tried everything I know to get Angel away from him, but I've had no luck. She says she's got to stay with it another year till she gets out of school and can get a place. But I've known my share of whores, and you don't just get out when you want to. Think Lacey won't let her out? Would you turn Secretariat out to pasture these days before three days before the Kentucky Derby because he said he didn't want to run. So Secretariat was a winning horse years ago in Kentucky Derby. That's the biggest race in the country. Not without a fight, Willie says. That's what I mean. Lisa lets him out in front of the hospital and drives off. He'll take the bus from there. He finds Lacey sleeping and the doctor says they'll release him in the morning. Wonders if Willie or someone will be there to pick him up. Willie says he will and heads for the bus stop. He had hoped Lacey would be awake so they could talk about the living situation, but it will just have to wait. At home, he tries the number Andre gave him for Angel again, but there's no answer. So he heats up a can of chili on the stove and cranks up Bruce Springsteen on the sound system, pulling the shades in case he gets the urge to dance again. He does get the urge, so he sets the bowl on the coffee table and moves into the dining room. He can feel it, the same thing he felt on the court. He he throws away moves he can't make, replaces them with ones that he can. Somewhere down in there, maybe deep in his center, Willie can feel himself starting to come back. Tears fill his eyes as he realizes it's the first time since he got here that he thinks he may see his family again but not yet. That's the end of chapter 15.